Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Better Words. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> yes, thank you all for joining us. Oh, dear listeners, I have not read a single thing that I haven't already recommended on the podcast or we're going to be doing another book club next week. Been reading for our last few interviews this season. Oh, I'm behind on my reading. I wish I could talk about <laughs> the new Sally Rooney, but I haven't finished it yet, so that feels unfair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this happens to us towards the end of the season as well because we do try to fit in so many things. And so also this is our, is penultimate the word you say when it's like the second last one? Second last, it's second last so. episode for the season. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're both very much like, oh, it'll be nice when we can like just read whatever we want without any deadlines because we have so many deadlines to meet that we set ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we do when we're set doing ourselves too. You know, because we want to recommend you all new books to read and we want to do these book club discussions and obviously we want to read the books of the people that we are interviewing, mm-hmm. but that adds up very quickly. So I have not had time to read anything else. But it Michelle, does. you have, and you've had quite a speedy <laughs> reading experience recently, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. Um, also, can I, can I just say as a side note, um, I think I mentioned on the podcast that I pre-ordered a copy of Richard Oseman's new the thir- the new Thursday Murder Club book um, from a from an indie bookstore in the UK. It finally arrived, but in the busiest week possible, so I did not have a chance to drop everything and read it like I really mm. wanted to. So that is a treat that is waiting for me um, as that well. And I'm gonna you know like. I, I would be very surprised if I didn't want to recommend it to everyone because, as we know, I love Thursday Murder Club. Um, but the book that I'm recommending is not that. I had been seeing this book called The Appeal everywhere and it was something that I got. Um, there's a there's a Facebook group that I'm part of, which is a subgroup of a podcast group. You know how you just <laughs> spawn all these groups. It's the, um, like, book lovers part of that podcast group and everyone had been sort of talking about it so I just picked it up unquestionably had no idea what it was about um borrowed it from the library so it is The Appeal by Janice Hallett and it was so good that I read it in like less than 24 hours maybe even like in about 12 hours like it just 12 hours (laughs) very impressive because like for the most part you know like your waking hours in a day is about 16. I know so I don't know maybe it was like more than 12 hours because I obviously did go to sleep but if you count up the time I mean it was really it was very very quick it was only like two sittings that I read it in um so it was definitely less than 24 hours um so I'll just give you like a bit of I'll, I'll do the little blurb thing um so In a town full of secrets, someone was murdered. Someone went to prison and everyone's a suspect. Can you uncover the truth? Dear reader, enclosed are all the documents you need to solve a case. It starts with the arrival of two mysterious newcomers to the small town of Lockwood and ends with a tragic death. Someone has already been convicted of this brutal murder and is currently in prison, but we suspect they are innocent. What's more, we believe far darker secrets have yet to be revealed. Throughout the Fairway Players staging of All My Sons and the charity appeal for a young girl's life-saving medical treatment, the murder hid in plain sight, yet we believe they gave themselves away. In writing, the evidence is all here between the lines waiting to be discovered. Will you accept the challenge? Can you uncover the truth? And this is actually a debut novel, which is just what? unbelievable. A it's brilliant. Blurb. That, that... I know. It's so that good. Sounds, that sounds almost like a choose your own adventure or something where it's like, can you figure it out? I love I that. So that, that literally is pretty much also what you get on the first page, but it's a letter from someone. And 
the rest of the book is literally texts, emails, notices, correspondence. The entire yeah. book is in the correspondence. like case files. That's yes. so cool. It literally so my copy, the the um, UK cover has like a really cute little illustration. My cover just look, is like a plain. It's like a plain piece of paper with ribbon. And then I realized on the spine, it's made to look like it's a big bundle of papers that have been held together. Um, So, yeah, once I started reading this, first of all, we've talked before about, you know, email and correspondence novels are so easy to read. You just get sucked in. But honestly, like everybody came to life. And I was every time I stopped reading it, I was like, so who is the victim and who's like I because you don't know the victim until like three quarters of the way through really yeah. um and so you're just trying to work out you're like what's going on what's and you're like there are some dodgy things here but I don't like can't put my finger on it who's dodgy who's not and as we've said before like you are not a crime reader not a big but one, I really like please for the love of God, read this book because I just think that, first of all, it's not going to take you long to read and I would be very surprised if you started reading it and were not hooked. Um, But the reason I think you'd really enjoy it, and I mentioned it in the reading the blurb, obviously, is that this all takes place against the backdrop of a local community theatre production and all the people involved are the families involved in the community theatre production and it just reminded me so much of the musical where we met and became friends and I just know that you will have the same reaction. You'll be like, I can picture these people (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And, yeah, I would just be very surprised if you started it and were like, oh, no, I can't be bothered. Like, it will grab your attention and like oh it's so good it's so 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 good and it's so worth all the hype um yeah I guess my only thing was I read it too quickly (laughs) this does seem like a good recommendation for me I do love and you know like an emails text messages like that kind of you know I always forget a word for when a book is written in that format because I can also never pronounce it I know. Um, Look, we all know it's a fancy literary term. There's a fancy word for it, but a letters let's email. Let's just call book. it correspondence. <laughs> the correspondence um, book. Yeah, but I do love those and love community theatre. Um, that sounds so fun and quite a like small scale, you know, crime as well, which I think is oh yeah, it's not fun. well. See, yeah. that's the thing. The actual crime doesn't take place until well over halfway through the book so I mean there are other things that are going on and you'll be like oh what's this and like it does that's the thing like the whole time you're like something's dodgy here but I mm," like you try and you just like have to keep reading to find out what's happening like this is this is insane so yeah I I genuinely think that I'd be very surprised if you didn't at least get swept up in it and enjoy it as you were reading it yeah I shouldn't I should see if I can get it from my library or something. It was definitely by Janice Hallett. Janice Hallett. Awesome. I'll have to look it up and see if I can get it from the library. Definitely. Um, I also have quite a little cozy recommendation. I think maybe I talked about this show in one of our lives last year when the first season came out. Um, But it's such a sweet little bookish recommendation for everyone who loved reading the Babysitter's Club books when they were younger. Um, the Netflix show is so, so sweet. Um, very, like, it's modernised and updated, you know, perfectly that it still retains, like, the, you know, the same charm and, like, all the characters are so good. Like, watching it, you know, Christy is like exactly how I think we always pictured her. Um, it's so fun as well because Alicia Silverstone plays Christy's mum. Um, the cast is great. They're all so sweet. And like, oh, Claudia is just as funky and cool as you want her to be. And you just like, Stacey's so pretty and cool. And oh, <laughs> it's so good. I love, I loved the Babysitter's Club. Did you like reading Babysitter's Club books? Yeah, although I don't think I read 
that many, like a handful, yeah. maybe. Um, I was definitely more into Saddle Club, let's just say. Yes. <laughs> I was not, no. I loved reading the Business Club books. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of read them all over the place when I could find, you know, the old editions at, like, Vinnie's and stuff like that. But mm. um, I also, like, one of the episodes in this second season um, – because all the episodes, you know how it was always like Christy's big idea, Marianne and mm. the whatever, you know. The, yeah. Also, a lot of the episodes, I'm like, oh, that's like, you know, one of the first few books in the, because obviously there's like hundreds of these books now. Um, but there was one that I was like, oh, this story, and they kind of brought in an element, and I'm like, this is from one of those like super <laughs> mysteries, you know, because like, they have like the, yeah, they like, have the, Summer ones and the like mystery books and mm-hmm. um and it's so nice as well to see um like when Christie's mum marries Watson Brewer and you have the Brewer chi- the Brewer kids um because Karen had her own series as well with some of the younger kids in that in Stony Brook um and I just I always loved Karen Brewer she seemed like such a funny little kid and in the TV series it's almost like you know, like that kind of Wednesday Adams darkness that you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. what is this little girl? That's what Karen Brewer is like. <laughs> so sweet. But it it's so funny because I guess maybe reading the books from her perspective, I never thought about that that much. But she was always obsessed with witches and ghosts mm. and everything. And so this little, everyone else being like, oh, Karen, like you creepy little. Creepy little Karen. So <laughs> Oh, that Very sounds funny. so sweet. I have so many TV shows to catch up on because oh, I know there's just know, too many. But my life has been taken over by British reality TV at the moment. But yeah. that sounds like such a fun one to watch when I am like when I'm home by myself. It's such a yeah, like care, a cozy so. little <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such like a cozy little watch. You just want to like oh, just go like oh, the babysitters club. It's so sweet. It is funny though because like in this day and age still I'm like I know it's all just like their family friends and everything that they're babysitting for really but like it still amazes they're like 13 and babysitting Mm. like quite young children I wouldn't even feel comfortable babysitting a toddler by myself I'm 25 (laughs) I know I wouldn't I'm 27 (laughs) yeah I'm not I don't know I mean these kids obviously have more experience with young kids than I do (laughs) exactly oh I have a hard enough time with my dog like oh my god um oh that's such a sweet recommendation I love that well with those sweet recommendations we actually have another one in don't hate the player by Alexis Ned and we've got our interview with Alexis right now Our guest today is a senior entertainment reporter at Mashable, where she writes about television, movies, video games, but all with a sci-fi and fantasy focus. Her writing has appeared across numerous online publications, but today we are very pleased to be chatting about her brilliant debut young adult novel, Don't Hate the Player. Welcome to Better Words, Alexis Ned. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about the book and e-meet you guys yeah <laughs> yeah I know the um nice to virtually meet you or talk to you online those things kind of have fallen away I guess it's just the only yeah. way people are talking to each other but we are this e-meeting you how we talk now yeah through the screen <laughs> um so yeah as we mentioned we're chatting about don't hate the player today which is such a fun and enjoyable novel brilliant main characters you just love like Amelia and Jake are so great but how do you describe it to people? It, it depends who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to someone who's like under the age of like 33 and a half, I'm like, <laughs> it's a it's a forbidden romance between two competitive esports players. And they're like, oh, okay, I, I know what all of those words mean in, in that order. If I'm talking to someone a little bit older, I'm like, so the, they, they play video games, but competitively, and she keeps it as, like, I have to get in, into more into more depth. So it's a... Two, two high school students who meet at a tournament and have to keep a secret together and there's video games in there is how I tell it to someone who absolutely does not know what Twitch or League of Legends 
is like none of those things. <laughs> That's I know them. Um, getting towards the end of like not really familiar, but I know of them. So that's a good yeah. start. That's a good start. It is one of those things we know what those mean, but I've never watched a Twitch stream. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun. You should try sometime. <laughs> and like the closest I come to gaming is The Sims, but also my partner did just get a Switch and I am getting a little bit into playing the Switch, but I much prefer reading. So he will often be like, he will come home and be like, did you play that new game I bought yet? And I'm like, no, I've been working and or reading. Like, it's just not my go-to thing. So I need to like, I need to get better at it because I, I do quite enjoy it. It's a nice way to like de-stress and chill. The Sims totally counts, by the way. That's how I, the first computer game that I ever got like super, super obsessed with was The Sims. I did Sims 2, I did Sims 3, even up to Sims 4. Um, I don't play it as much anymore because I will spend like 14 hours straight um, <laughs> playing it if I do, but that counts. I would it's never buy the new ones because like, yeah, I just, what I, I work from home. Like this is just a dangerous combination. I would never do any work. It's bad enough that I can just read whenever I want. Like, yeah, this is, this, I can read on my lunch break and then suddenly it's like three hours later and I'm like, oh, whoops. Um, so yeah, this is just a dangerous combination, but we are not quite gamers, but very no. interested. Yeah. No, but I really do enjoy, probably because, you know, we kind of have our own little world of, you know, books and publishing and things like that. And, you know, other things that we're interested in. I love how everyone has their own like world of what other people might consider to be like a really specific or niche interest, but there's actually so many people involved. And I love reading books about those, you know, different activities and hobbies and all of that stuff. So really enjoyed reading about um, Amelia and Jake playing games and competing in this tournament. It's so cool. Um, so how did you become interested in gaming? Ooh, um, like many people who become interested in things, I was not allowed to play video games when I was younger. <laughs> My parents mm-hmm. were, I mean, we had a, a, you know, like one one computer in the house. Any Anyone younger than like 25 is going to be like one computer in the whole house. But like, yeah, there was like a computer room. Yeah. Um, and I played like, you know, The Sims on there sometimes. I never had a console Growing up, my parents are like, no, focus on your studies. That's like, you know, that's somebody else's, you know, hobby, not yours. Um, so I was obsessed with video games growing up. I would go over to my, I would go to my neighbor's house. I would like sneak over after school and play Donkey Kong. I would like have a hard drive with World of Warcraft on it that I could pull out and hide. So it didn't look like it was like, I was, I got really sneaky. So yeah, the, the interest was just the, the one thing my parents told me that I couldn't do. And I literally wrote a book about it. So that yeah. obviously worked really well, Mom and Dad. Also, <laughs> like, gave you, gave you so much fodder for Amelia's character, like making her little computer station that she can hide everything. And oh, so, it's like, so obviously that's all, yep. that's all yeah. based on, yeah, your own. Maybe not, I mean, did you ever build a computer hiding No, station? I'm pretty not much of a PC gamer. It's, it's a totally <laughs> different level of, of gaming. I'm, I'm more of a console gamer, but I mean, that, it was definitely inspired by some of the sneaking around I had to do just to, you know, do, do real bad kid stuff like play RuneScape, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, you know, there's that meme of like when you're buying more books and you, you're like, it could be drugs. I whisper to myself as I pay for more books. It's the same thing. It could have been drugs. It yeah, could have been, been so much worse. It could have been yeah. something I mean, My parents also said, so, don't, don't, you know, smoke crack. And I didn't get obsessed with that. So at least exactly. it was this one. Yeah. yeah. Of the two things, this is preferable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny thinking about it because, I don't know, maybe we just probably could have tried a bit harder to be a gamer because we, like my family, we had a, a PlayStation 2. Um and never upgraded that console, and we had a Wii. Um, but, I mean, we liked playing Mario Kart, but my favourites were Just Dance and Sing Star. Of course they were, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, it's, that perfectly lines up with everything else about you me. You were like, I'm going to do it in the real world, but I'm also going to do it virtually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's a game for 
There's a game if you it. like something in the real world, there's a video game for it. So they're just like, oh, I don't think I could play a game. I'm like, do you perform literally any other action? You can do that in a video game. Yeah. We were looking at Switch games the other day and there's like an ultimate like fishing one. And I was like, there you go. Catch fish. And actually, so my um, partner Jack's recently become very obsessed with his mountain bike. Um bought mountain bike he's watching all the youtube videos basically like this but for mountain biking he's obsessed with it um and he has found a mountain bike game on the switch where you do like tricks and score things and sometimes he'll be like here look me try this jump i'm I'm gonna die i'm gonna die like die and yeah he loves it and he's like you should play it and you can do all your little tricks and stuff so yeah there is literally something for everyone um and I think like obviously something else that's coming up that we're, we're hearing more about in mainstream culture, if I can say that. And I even watched a, um, a documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen the Explained series on Netflix, but it's really, really good. And they had one on esports. Um, so I guess that's something like obviously Caitlin and I aren't really familiar with it, but it's becoming such a huge thing. It, it seems only natural that it would you know, translate into young adult literature as well? Was it fun to play around with that whole world of esports and tournaments and stuff? Yes, it was it was super fun. I don't I don't play games competitively um because I'm I'm not that good at them. I, I do them <laughs> because they're they're fun. Um but I I think it's fascinating that, you know, if you if you go back to when I was in middle school and high school, like video games were still kind of something that like nerdy kids did. And now it's like really popular mainstream athletes exist because they're really good at video games and I thought that was super that's it's so cool and it's so different and I'm so impressed at you know any any person who can play games for for money and prizes um why not if you can (laughs) yeah if you if you can I mean it's it's super super hard like the the level that an esports player plays at is like it's an order of magnitude away like they're not just a little bit better than everyone else like that is they are it is massive massive difference um and it's they train it's I did a lot of research into it and I mean they're kind of training I mean they they when they're like in their mid twenties, they kind of have to drop out because like the, the strain on their fingers and aging up can like the tiniest reaction time can mess them up. It's, it's bananas. Wow. Um, well, I guess that's like a lot of other sports, isn't it? Yeah. You don't get like many like a lot of other sports stuff older than, but yeah, like, you know, if your, if your vision goes down one, one point, that's like, that's a huge problem for an esports player. But one of the like interesting and specific to the book, real life connections I did with esports is that the reason that I set the book in Pennsylvania because um, I don't, I don't live there, is because I know that the the world, the, the not the world, uh, the U.S.'s first all esports arena was being built there. Um, I think they had to pause construction for a couple of years because there was there was something there. But when the U.S. gets their first like only for esports arena, it yeah. will be right there. And I was like, I have to set my book yeah. there because that's about to be like the the esports center of the entire country. That's so that's, so a, that's cool. a shout out to whenever that that gets built, if that's so, so amazing. And I will pop a link to the, um, the explained episode in the show notes as well. Cause it's, I love explained because it's like 20 minutes, really easy, but I just had no idea that this level of competition and this level of like prize money and stuff existed. Like it's absolutely amazing. So, so cool. It's so Um, interesting. And I loved reading about, um, you know, the characters' experiences at these rounds at the tournament. Like at the first one when, like, their game is finished and everyone takes off their headphones and they can hear the crowd cheering and everything. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, like it really, I was like, watching them play a game. Yeah, so awesome. So, so cool. So thank you for bringing that to life and bringing it like us <laughs> non-gamers. I know, finally, so interested yeah, Thank you for being so nice about it. <laughs> so it's genuinely so good. So yeah, no, we loved it. We loved it. Um, so obviously though, you didn't shy away from like some of the, you know, darker sides of gaming as well. Um, and, you know, part of part of the story and part of the reason why this is something that Amelia keeps secret in the novel is because she's previously had to face a lot of abuse and, you know, 
just a torrent yeah a torrent of stuff I know Caitlin you were saying that you felt like this was really powerful to read about and I certainly agree um why did you want to sort of bring that in and and explore some of the darker sides there well I knew that um my protagonist was going to be Latina um and a girl playing games and there was no way I could write a contemporary novel where a girl, you know, who looks like me, I'm, I'm half black, half Puerto Rican, uh, is playing competitive games and she doesn't deal with it. Like it's, it's, a, it's a fact of the, of the sport. It's a fact of video gaming. It's a fact of the culture. No girl who plays video games, female identified person, self-identified, and can play without getting harassed. If it's a multiplayer game, if, pe- if people know that they're a girl, you know, if they get on voice chat, um, if, if they're Twitch streaming, I mean, if not, you do what M does and you just don't tell people because the second you do, you're getting spammed with, you know, DMs. People are trying to like make you their girlfriend and you're like, dude, you're an avatar on screen. Um, and that was something that I had experience with uh, growing up. Like I played some multiplayer games, World of Warcraft, um, mostly. Um, and it's it just... I would only play as male characters. Like I, I wouldn't even play it as a girl character because the harassment was like people spamming emojis like on on mm. your character's body level of like constant <laughs> abuse. It's 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 getting better because people are uh, paying more attention to it, and there are more prominent female gamers. I think Twitch helped a lot because like you say, you know, girls don't play games and it's like, there's literally like a million there's girls so playing many games them, like, live right them. now yeah. that you could go see. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's a long, long road. And there was no way that I could talk about gaming without talking about the culture. Like I, I couldn't yeah. pick and choose. I couldn't say, eh, you know, like the, the chat rooms are fun and, and the fantasy part's fun, but in this world, nobody has a problem with anybody. Like, no, yeah. that's it. That would, that would never fly with me. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh God, I just don't understand why. Why do people do that? Like it just, oh. oh. <laughs> I mean, it's so horrible, but yeah. it was, oh. you know, it was really nice to read about, you know, particularly the other people on Jake and Amelia's teams were for the most part very nice and very supportive of anyone who wanted to play and be on their team. Mm. So that was very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, but... I, I, I did that super intentionally because I wanted to show that, um, not all but, bad kind of thing. Yeah, or not, not even like a not all gamers thing, but the, the gaming community is a reflection of our community. There, there are enough people who game that it's just the real world on a screen. Like there's nothing yeah. unique and specific about gamers that makes them particularly vitriolic people. It's just the real world vitriol is like a little easier to come out. So when I had Jake's team, I, I intentionally made all of them kind of like the, the island of misfit toys is how I put yeah. it. Where it's like all the people that other people wouldn't want to play with if they knew who they were and they're like well fine we're gonna band together and that happens all the time in gaming people make their own guilds they make their own safe spaces and for for me when I was playing like that's where I found my people like that's 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 what made me feel feel safe gaming and that's a huge part of why I love it so much so I knew that I needed to have that in there because it's if you if you have people who support you who can you know if you do get spammed like they can also report that person it's it's really important to have people in your corner totally and we we loved Jake's team Unity's name of their team and part of like throughout the book there's like kind of sections of their group chat and everything in there which is really fun to read so I mean why did you want to include that group chat as well but also was it always a dual narrative like from Jake's perspective as well as Amelia's? It was when I was first thinking about it. I did not think it was going to be a, a dual narrative. I thought it was going to be entirely from um, from uh, M's perspective. Um, and then I, I started out. I pretty much wrote "Don't Hate Don't Hate the Player" entirely in sequence. Like started at the beginning and wrote it all the way through to the end. I didn't really jump around that much. Like a couple new chapters I put in during the edit process. Yeah. But I started writing the prologue, and it was Jake, and I was like, oh crud like I'm I'm not oh, even damn. starting with my protagonist voice <laughs> I, was like, that is, I love that chapter though like oh I know it's oh, so sweet it's and because so he's sweet. he's such a he's such a cute kid I was like well let's okay let's just meet him mm. and and we'll do that once and then I wrote Amelia and then I was like yeah but what's Jake doing right now like, like if she's doing this and I was like 
I, but I didn't want to bounce just back and forth. I wanted to keep him in third person. And then I also realized I had a different problem in this book. And it's that Jake's teammates are really important characters to him, but you don't meet them until like the last three chapters of the book in, yeah. in, in person, really. And I was like, how am I going to get people to understand that these people are like the good guys, that these people are important if you don't see them? So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just spy on your group chat. And that's how I'll check in on Jake. And that's how I'll introduce these characters without having to write two separate perspectives and then i just kept also wondering what jake was up to so i got like those vibe check chapters in there too yeah. but that was it was completely uh it was just as i was going problem solving and realized that i was gonna have to hear from everybody in this and not just from amelia yeah i also love that you know you kept being like no no like swapping perspectives and then it's like okay well maybe just this and then oh well maybe just we'll add that in it's like okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's such a sweet character. Yeah, I just, I've, I have no impulse control. And so when I, when I started writing something, like I'm just, I can't, can't just go back on it. It's already done. We recently saw on Twitter that you went back to your old high school to talk about Don't Hate the Player and being an author and gamer culture and how nothing past graduation goes the way you think it's going to. (laughs) So what was what was that experience like to go back and talk to the students at your old high school? It was it was great. Um, I actually I go back to my old high school more often than I think most people go back to their old high schools, or at least I, I did sort of before COVID, because uh, mm-hmm. I was really involved in the theater program when I was in high school. You know, I'm a I'm a classic uh, drama nerd turned journalist turned author. Um, <laughs> so really, crazy. really <laughs> me too. Honestly, before you kept going with author, the author that. part, but it's a it's a <laughs> it's a very specific pipeline um in new york if you're an entertainment writer that just means that you wanted to act and you can't sing um (laughs) so people are going to be so mad at me for saying that um uh and so i would go back and see the the plays and see the the shows and my mom did hair and makeup for them even after i left so it wasn't like after all this time she returns to you know the the scene of of her childhood it was like okay and we're back like post-covid i was like okay this is neat um but it was it was fascinating because the night before I was kind of scrambling to get a presentation together because I thought that I would have to have some really solid and interesting and sage advice for these youngins. I was only going to be talking to like the ninth and 10th graders who are like 14 to, to 16 in, in the, the U.S. Um, system. And I, I was I was trying to like come up with something pithy and something super wise. And then I was like, well, I, I can't do that because like nothing actually worked from like when I like like this is like every every time I thought that I was going to use you know the the wise knowledgeable part of me to make a choice the wrong thing happened and every time I just kind of ended ass backwards and stuff amazing (laughs) things happened and I was like that's either a terrible thing to tell children or the only thing I'm going to be able to tell children so I stuck with that being the only thing and I, I showed them that you know when I was their age in 2005 um Netflix didn't exist and uh, BuzzFeed and Mashable did not exist. So two of the places that I would eventually work at were not, you know, on the internet. Uh, The PlayStation 4 hadn't come out. We didn't even have the iPhone. And I was like, so when I was sitting exactly where you are, there is no physical possible way I could have predicted where I would end up. So don't worry about it too much (laughs) because it's going to be way, way, way different. And it might not even be something that exists right now it changes so much and I think you know it resonated with a a, a couple of them you know it's 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 hard to gauge with the with the masks yeah. you know um and teenagers can look as uninterested most of the time anyway, yeah but so. they're a great audience though I mean I, I there's they, they, they seem like a good a good crop <laughs> that's the oh, thing good. though like you know in in what we've all just experienced with COVID, teenagers and children are learning a lot quicker than a lot of us did that, you know, it's unpredictable world. We don't yeah. know what the next, like we're all feeling that, but like growing up in that, like I, in some ways I'm like, oh my God, I feel like so, like I would have been so anxious about that whole situation, but maybe it's going to just make people who are even more innovative and even more agile and do things that like you said like literally have never been thought of before and something that we can't even predict so like maybe 
it's going to end up being the best thing for them because they've had all this uncertainty so they can be you know more forward thinking and look at problems in a different way and I mean I'm always so impressed too by the way that teenagers and young people um, are you know like so on the forefront of fighting for climate rights and like climate change and you know I don't think that we have much to worry about when it comes to future generations becoming we're in good hands the kids I'm are more, all right. I'm more yeah. worried about what everybody's <laughs> going to do before they get the chance to yes. lead. <laughs> that's the real worry. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. so nice. And, like, I think that that advice is perfect. I've not had, you know, a good opportunity to, like, talk to a bunch, like a whole crowd of high school students or anything. But every time I do talk to any high school students, I really just tell them, like, try and do a good job with your grades or whatever. But, like, it doesn't matter. I feel like people don't tell teenagers enough that like if you don't know what you want to be when you grow up when you're 16 you'll figure yeah, you it out actually have to you can, yeah. you can take a break or there's like other entry pathways to get to the university course you want to do and you know all these things and you so you don't have to go to university yeah. you don't have to go to <laughs> yeah there's, like, other, there's, there's so other ways <laughs> yeah so many yes. other ways so we'd love to talk about like the actual writing of the novel now, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that you were sort of given the concept for the novel. How did all that come about? What was that process like for you? So that came about because uh, a production company called Assemble Media um, was looking to try the whole uh, make up a concept, find someone to write a book, see if they can sell the book uh, with the eventual goal of an adaptation. Um, and they, it, this was a, the first time they were going to try it with a, a novel. And they just, I assume they just like put out a call. Like, does anybody know like a, a, a preferably female Latin author who like wants to write stuff about video games? And my agent, Stephen Saltpeter, um, just like it's immediately like, forwarded me. <laughs> and he was like, how would you like to write a book about video games? And I was like, you mean like a like an encyclopedia? And he's like, no, like a novel. Do you want to write a novel? It's like, okay, I'll, I'll try. Um, and I submitted a, a two-page sample. They said just like, here's the general outline of what we're thinking of. Write any two pages that might appear in this book. Uh, and most of those two pages actually did make it into the into the final text of Don't Hate the Player. I, I started writing the scene with Amelia and Jake in the car in the rain when she picks him up. Mm. So that was that was the first time that I met them. Where I was like, I didn't even know I was going to write a book about them, but I was like, okay, who are you, nerds? Um, and they they loved the sample, and then they said, okay, well, so you're you're hired, so write a fifty page sample. So I wrote the first fifty pages of the book, and that was what they sent out. Like I I had nothing to do with any of the other publishing part. Like they sent that out, Assemble did, uh, and it went to auction, and Bloomsbury ended up buying it uh, for a two book deal, which was great because now I get to write two books. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and from there it was off to the races. So I really was like, I kind of auditioned to write a book, and they accidentally found uh, a young Puerto Rican girl who had to hide the fact that she played video games <laughs> uh, to write a book about a young Puerto Rican girl who has to hide the fact that she plays video games. <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. Um, so they sort of said to you, "Look, forbidden, forbidden love and video games. Go have fun." <laughs> yeah, there was a, a there was a more a more detailed outline but I ended up changing a lot of it like we changed it so much that we had to change the the title the original title for the book this is I think this is public knowledge it was on deadline uh the original title was player versus player and it was much more about the kind of Romeo and Juliet clashing between the teams and I realized that I just didn't want Amelia and Jake to fight that much I was like no I want them to be like friends from the start um so I was like sorry about your you know villains to lovers thing it's more just like friends to lovers on the internet um (laughs) but yeah I mean they were assemble was amazing they were they were so flexible and my editor Claire Stetzer who was at Bloomsbury she's not there anymore um she was great and it was very much like shepherding me through this process because like I wasn't planning to write a novel (laughs) at all and everyone was very great at showing me how it's done. Wow. That's so so cool. did you struggle at all when it came to any of the writing elements or anything? Or did it come quite easily once you had Amelia and Jake? Uh, there was definitely some struggle, I think, towards 
for me, the middle is always the hardest part because I have a very firm idea of like, here's my setup and here's how it's going to end. But there's, <laughs> and you this know, is the middle. <laughs> like 90% of the book is not that part. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, I realized that I have to be a very strong outliner uh, because if I just, but I also changed my mind a lot, like a lot. So like I had a very strict outline and then I was like, oh, well, wouldn't it be cool if this happened in the chapter and that changes everything else? Um, but it was, it was fairly smooth the first time, uh, around, um, especially because I always had the different formats to go back to. If I felt like it was getting really hard to write Amelia, I was like, okay, let's do a chat chapter. Or if the chat chapters were like going on forever, because I had to cut those down so much. (laughs) Those are so much longer and full of so many other like memes and jokes. And I'm like, this is only to please me. Other people have to read this book. Um, so I, I was like, okay, then let's talk to Jake instead. So there was, I think having the multiple formats helped me along because it didn't, it didn't keep me into like staring at a screen and being like, what does this person do next specifically? Yeah, definitely. Did you always want to write novels and this just ended up being? Yeah. I mean, I've always, I, I've always loved writing, even when I was like in you know, third and fourth grade writing like little mini, mini stories. I was like (laughs) writing super dark, like horror, horror stories that they like didn't want to put on the bulletin board. Um, I've always loved writing. Uh, It's been, it's kind of my, my primary skill and I didn't um, super develop much more of them. So I kind of knew that I was going to get stuck with writing in a good way. Um, I didn't, I didn't study English or writing in college uh but i did briefly go to journalism school um at columbia and realized that that was also not the writing i wanted to do so it was a lot of i love writing how do i make it a career and then realizing that it's not necessarily the like reporting journalism part that i like about writing it's the story part um so it was kind of like a slow realization that you know those creepy little stories I wrote in fourth grade were predicting something (laughs) that but that I actually really wanted to do it and was passionate about yeah definitely oh I love that I can relate a lot to that um (laughs) as well with with my like work as a journalist and stuff it's definitely I love the human stories and like just talking to people and finding out really cool things about their lives hence why we do this podcast as well um So um, obviously we mentioned at the start, you know, in your day job at Mashable, you're writing a lot of stuff that's about sci-fi and fantasy worlds, you know, Marvel Universe, Game of Thrones, things like that. So um, was it, was contemporary fiction something that was, you know, on your mind? Was it a bit of a stretch to write that? Like, how did you feel about going into that for the novel? I I thought that if I were ever going to write uh, a novel before I actually ended up writing one that I would actually prefer to write contemporary more so than fantasy and, and, and science fiction. Uh, I lucked out with Don't Hate the Player because I could do both um, where, yeah. you know, my characters are contemporary, but they, they meet in these fantasy spaces and there's like science fiction battles. So I was like, loophole, nailed it. <laughs> um, but I think part of that is like fear. I would, I would, all of like the fantasy stuff I, I love and I'm obsessed with and the sci-fi stuff and like the superhero stuff is so hard to do. It is so much work. It's it is so intricate. And I'm like yeah. a huge, like deep cut nerd. Like when, you know, when people cared about Game of Thrones before, you know, those seasons that didn't happen happened. Um, like my, my thing was like deep cut, reading the books between the lines, finding the parallels. And I was like, man, George R. R. Martin put so much work into this fantasy. It is so intricate and it's so beautiful. And if I tried to do this, my brain would explode. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would, I hope that maybe once I get better at, you know, just writing books, I can like find some time to dedicate, but I would, I would need my fantasy world to be so on point that like, I'm I'm scared to even start or go there. (laughs) (laughs) because you'd be like I know the level that people analyze these worlds that you can't yeah no loopholes I know the thing that um Michelle and I always say about reading fantasy is like learning the rules of a whole new other world can be like can be so tricky that we generally prefer lighter fantasy where it's like a you know Mm -hmm. in the modern world but like they're witches or something and it's like okay I get it yeah yeah Yeah. I I think I do genuinely think that has to do a lot with like my rules and like 
just how I am with the world in general that like if I get thrown into that situation I'm like oh my god but what's happening I need to know I need to know everything and it's just so much easier to to read contemporary for us I mean world building takes so much so yeah like so much work and so much skill to like think of everything it's amazing I can't believe some of these worlds that people have just like thought of yeah Yeah. I mean that's how I feel about um a lot of AAA games these days though too where it's like if you're reading a fantasy book and you're trying to figure out like what the rules are just by reading the the story like that's you know the the author is trying to world build as you're going along and Mm -hmm. in in gaming you kind of do the same thing we're like yeah there's rules where you know press triangle to interact with something but some of the games that I played have like the most incredible stories like there's one that I love the sequel should be coming out next year Horizon Zero Dawn where for most of the game you don't know if you're in the past or the future like there's robot dinosaurs and there's there's people in like deer skin pelts and it's just like figure it out have fun keep playing <laughs> and find out whether this is the apocalypse or prehistory and just like through playing the game you you find the rules you find the history you find mm-hmm. out why things are, are working certain ways and you know over the course of 80 something hours you're like you're living this amazing science fiction story and I've I, I draw parallels between books and games all the time because I spend probably the same amount of time doing both. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's for, as far as storytelling mediums go, they're not always that different. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, Especially so cool. now, like the graphics are so incredible and they do have these amazing stories. Jack will often show me like the trailers and stuff. And he's like, look, you can't mm. even tell if it's a game or if it's the tra- yeah. like." It's so I mean, I've, I've, I've cried playing games, 100%. Like, there's three games in the past year where I've literally cried at story points. Like, I'm watching a movie or reading a book, more likely. They're so good. That is awesome. And I did really, really love in your bio, you describe yourself as a pop culture fanthropologist, which I was like, I need to steal that word because you said... <laughs> You only have have only ever loved things in a really big obsessive way, and Michelle and I are exactly like that as well. We're like My either people. we're yeah. like something's number one fan, or we don't care at all. Yeah, and like <laughs> you find something, and then you've got to like read it or like do it. Like when I first started listening to the Beatles, I was told Caitlin this that like I was about fifteen. Obviously, didn't have a wide social circle of friends, um, but you know, then I was like, oh, I'll go to the library and I'll see what they've got. Like. I started, you know, watching hours and hours of YouTube interviews, reading all the books, like the books that are like every single song, what was going on in their lives? What could this possibly mean in the lyrics? Like yeah. talk about reading between the lines. Like, yeah. And and yep. everything since like both Caitlin and I get it just, if there's something to be obsessed about, we go deep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm the same way. I, I thought, I thought that I came up with Phanthropologist, uh, but I, when I looked it up, I it was I was already someone's Twitter handle. So it's there's oh. sort of like it's, I think it's it's been like spontaneously thought up by. I mean, I, I was I'm an anthropology major. Like that was what I, I studied in in school. Like I was always really into anthropology specifically and and pop culture. Um, but there's a lot of people who are into anthropology and pop culture, and yeah. they they can all find a really easy pun. Um, that I, it's I a pretty I was good one so though. clever I thought I was being so clever it is it's it's fun though and it describes what I do perfectly culture and and pop culture yeah. like, pop culture is culture like we shouldn't even call yeah. it pop like that that is our culture yeah definitely yeah it is um, now hey oh, I just and I love like I love history but like through social things like that and like yeah. yeah oh god it's amazing but was there a moment where you ever realized that maybe this like was a little bit out of the ordinary like within maybe your like circle of friends or something like when you see people and you're like oh you so obsessed with things yeah like oh you like something but like what you don't like own every single piece of stuff related to this and you don't know all this stuff like yeah. you can just exist or without like, wanting to know it you, all yeah, you know a singer or a band but you don't know their entire yeah, but you don't go like ahead. are you all in or not that's <laughs> The story of my uh, entire life. Um, I've I've always been like sort of deeply, deeply obsessive about stuff. Um, I realized, I mean, I wasn't diagnosed until I was uh, an adult um, that I have ADHD and I, nobody told me uh, growing up because nobody diagnosed me with it. Um, but one of the symptoms is like a very specific hyper focus onto things that really interest you and that you really enjoy. So, you know, I was 
five years old, like trying to get my friends to like play a, a fantasy game a certain way because that's how the hobbits did it. And they were all like, we're literal children. We don't have to be this deep into stuff. But I was like fire in my eyes, making sure that everybody got it right. Like literally my, I've always, I've always been like that. My, yeah, my whole life. Yeah. Oh, love that. I love that's that so, so funny. much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up with, can you share with us, are you working on anything else at the moment? Yes, I am currently. I mean, literally when this call ends, I'm probably going to eat dinner and then go right back to writing my second novel, um, which is not a sequel to Don't Hate the Player, but it does take place in the same world. And there might be some familiar characters popping in and out of the narrative, but the main characters of of the next book are not Amelia and Jake. Absolutely not. And none of like the main, main characters of, of, of of the first book. And the second one will be called How We Play the Game. And I'm, I'm really excited to be able to talk about it more. Um, but that day is not today. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Right. So there are some though. great titles with these games. I mean, even, pl- I know you said, like, obviously it changed from player versus player, but that's a cool title. Don't hate the player. Yeah. Cool Don't title. hate the player was so much better. That was like yeah. a, a month of brainstorming from multiple parties. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it was, I think it was probably, um, Claire, my editor that ended up coming up with it. And I was like, yep, nailed it amazing yeah, that's it yeah Brilliant. titles yeah. are hard sometimes but it's a good one <laughs> yeah oh that's so wonderful and exciting to be writing about that world again and and continuing on that path and I love books that are not like that are standalone books not connected but where you have some easter eggs in there for people yeah and, yeah, yeah total total that. standalone but if if you have read don't hate the player I'm, I'm hoping that if they read how we play the game first it will make them want to read don't hate the player yeah so that's there's you know there's <laughs> Uh, I wish I could say more, but I can't. <laughs> no, that's all right. We'll just Excellent. have to wait. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will wait. We will wait. Um, mm. Thank you so much for joining us um, today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for having me. Chatting about all the, all the nerdy fun stuff. And you definitely, look, I'm going to be playing more of the Switch now. I'm going to, I'm going to try yeah, and play Jack's more, play some game. more fun games. <laughs> um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and expand past Lego Harry Potter, which is what I've been playing. <laughs> the Lego games are great, though. Lego Lord so of the Rings fun. is especially good. Oh, is there a Lego Lord Lego of- Lord okay. of the Rings is well, like legendarily one of the better Lego game I'm series. Have to get that for Jack because he loves he loves Lord of the Rings. But this is again talking about rules and stuff. <laughs> this is like my intro to gaming was like I need something where I sort of know a little bit. So obviously, know Harry Potter and like. It gets me into it, but now I'm sort of interested. I'm going to want to know more. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, where can people find and follow you online? You can find me online on Twitter or on Instagram at AlexisTheNed, N-E-D-D. Um, that's pretty much my my handle most places. Or you can read my writing at Mashable.com um, or, you know, pick up don't hate the player on online if, if you if you so desire that the audiobook is also great it's uh, two different people do the two oh, main characters that. so it's kind of like a an immersive uh romance experience in there but mostly alexis the ned places excellent wonderful thank awesome. you so much and yes everybody needs to read this book we wholeheartedly so recommend it <laughs> thank you so much thank you thank you for listening to better words you can chat to us on Instagram at betterwordspod. And follow me, Michelle, at Unfinished Bookshelf. And me, Caitlin, at Just a Bookish Babe. If you liked this episode, please share it with a book loving friend and leave a rating or review. Bye.